أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله تبارك وتعالى وسلم على سيدنا محمد سيدنا وسندنا وحبيبنا وشفيعنا ومولانا صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه وأزواجه وذرياته وأهل بيته ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين وبعد on this sixteenth night of Ramadan after we have crossed the halfway mark we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us from the utaqa and those who are freed from the hellfire in this Mubarak night and in this Mubarak month and we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us barakah and what's left and to forgive us for having wasted what's past uh, in order to uh, inshallah uh, get what we need in order to make it on the day of judgment so we continue with our reading of uh, Mulana Sayyid Abul Hassan Ali Nadwi uh, and his saviors of the Islamic spirit uh, speaking about Imam Ghazali rahimahullah ta'ala and his life's work and his life's uh, um, achievement and uh, his life's uh, uh, story. So we read the chapter, uh, sorry, the section regarding his his uh, his uh, ideas and his uh, rectification for the religious preceptors of his age. And this is something it's important to understand in context. Um, Ghazali rahimahullah ta'ala was writing for the reform, rectification and um, renewal of the, the class of the ulama. Uh, many people, I guess, will hear things like this and take it out of context. When people are critiquing the ulama, there are two types. One is a critique that's based on knowledge with the, with the intention of reform and with the intention of rectification, uh, whereas some people just hate the ulama and just want to take pot shots at them. And, uh, you know, those the latter type of people, uh, I, I think it's such a severe aqidah flaw. I don't think it's a an exaggeration to say that that's kufr. Uh, if a person were to think about where it comes from and what it means, uh, although we don't uh, make takfir of people based on their stupidity, uh, but uh, it's something that's really tantamount to kufr. Whereas Ghazali, rahimahullah ta'ala, Allah ta'ala, reward him and increase his rank uh, until Yom Al-Qiyamah. He, he was concerned with rectifying what was broken and what was dysfunctional with the with the, the, the class of pe- the people of knowledge in the ummah. Uh, so that they could they could uh, again and uh, forevermore uh, fulfill their their proper uh, mandated role by the Prophet وسلم, to be his representative in the Ummah. Ghazali held the religious doctors, the ulama, responsible for the all-around religious and moral degeneration of the Muslim people. To him, uh, religious doctors were the salt of the earth. If they were astray, uh, nothing could keep the people on the right path. An Arab poet had expressed the same idea in these words. O teachers of faith, you are the salt of the earth. If the salt gets contaminated, what is there to purify it again? Uh, It's quoted in the Ihya. Complaining that the prevailing widespread vices uh, were accountable to the negligence of religious teachers, Ghazali Rahimahullah Ta'ala writes, 
The third reason which really constitutes an incurable disease is that the patients there are but no physician uh, is available for their treatment. The ulama are the physicians, but these days they are themselves confined to the sick bed and unable to cure others. The same reason has been attributed by Ghazali for the waywardness of rulers and kings. He writes, In short, the debasement of the people proceeds from the corruption of their rulers who get perverted on account of the demoralization of the scholars. <coughs> Had there been no self-seeking qadis and religious scholars, the rulers would not have been so depraved. For in that case, they would have been mindful of the warnings of the ulama. And this is something, uh, you know, this is something important to note, which is one of the very salient differences between that age and this age, is that in those days, people who had amassed great amounts of religious learning, like Ghazali himself, uh, could really make it to a very uh, high position uh, in the dunya, in the material world, and could be really materially successful. Um, whereas nowadays, uh, you know, it's less relevant how how um, rectified the, 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 the ulama are or aren't. You could be qualified to be a great qadi and a great judge, uh, but uh, you know they won't even give you a, a job at the post office nowadays because the sharia has become something that uh, a great uh, number of people have kind of thrown behind their backs to the point where even the masjid imams themselves uh, cannot uh, convince their own masjid boards uh, about basic things with regards to the deen. Uh, uh, and so it's a little bit different nowadays than it was back then. Back then, and this is one of the, it's a glad tiding actually for, you know, the, the students of knowledge, which is back then, uh, your uh, uh, knowledge was a fitna because if you were successful in it, uh, the dunya would open its doors to you, which is a great tribulation. It, it brings in a lot of insincere people into this line. Whereas nowadays, <laughs> anyone with two brain cells knows that uh, uh, most people who uh, amass great amounts of proper learning, they're not really going to go anywhere. Uh, the most a person can make out of the deen is is uh, some sort of like a huckster, showman type uh, a preacher. And that doesn't really require all that much uh, knowledge. It just requires uh, kind of some sort of PR and marketing uh, basic savviness and sense and uh, the ability to hustle a couple of words. Really, a person who has the ability to be a genius, a legal genius, will be far better served in making money by um, becoming a businessman or a doctor or, uh, you know, in the corporate world or, or whatever. Uh, and so I guess it, there's a silver lining in the sense that the learning is not as much of a fitna anymore as it was back in the day. Uh, that being said, still, uh, even in this day, if a, a scholar of deen is corrupt in his morals, uh, and in his intention, it is a fitna for people, uh, albeit uh, one way or the other, it doesn't seem to have as much influence as it did back in those days. The neglect uh, of the then ulama to enjoin the right and forbid the wrong as the uh, ulama of old used to do was severely criticized by Ghazali. He deplored the timidness of the religious teachers of his time who were not courageous enough to uphold what was right in the face of kings uh, because they had been infected with the love of wealth, power and honor. After citing numerous instances where the ulama had fearlessly stood against the injustice of powerful despots and tyrannical rulers, he says in his Ihya, This is how the learned enjoined the right and forbade the wrong. They did not care at all for the pomp and glory of kings, for they used to put their trust in Allah alone and were confident that he would protect them. They were ever willing to lay down their lives for the sake of a righteous cause if Allah so desired. 
Whatever they said was taken to heart, for their intentions were pure. Their immaculate sincerity molded even the hard-hearted brutes. But now the earthly temptations have made them dumb, and even if they speak out, it has no effect because they lack sincerity. They can be effective even now if they cultivate selflessness, detachment, and earnestness. People have become depraved because of their rulers, and their rulers uh, because of the ulama, who have been demoralized on account of their love of wealth, power, and honor. One who has been uh, infected by worldly temptations cannot admonish even the lowly and the poor, much less the elites and kings. Mulana continues, most of the religious scholars of his day, as Ghazali pointed out, had given themselves up to hair-splitting, uh, 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 hair-splitting juristic issues and uh, 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 cavilling of real or imaginary problems. In social gatherings uh, and religious meetings, royal courts and scholar, scholarly uh, seminars, special contentions of a juridic nature or juristic nature had come to be regarded as an inevitable intellectual diversion. Uh, it had uh, become such a rage in those times that in their craze to arm themselves for a knockout victory in debates and disputations, the scholars were neglecting all other branches of learning, including even the religious sciences, uh, the knowledge necessary for spiritual and moral rectitude or for the preparation uh, of this life in the hereafter. Uh, um, Ghazali protests against the state of affairs and his ihya in these words. If any scholar jurist is asked about the virtues and vices like patience uh, and thankfulness, fear and awe, envy and malice, hypocrisy and deception, contentment and earnestness, or how to avoid hankering after the praise and respect of others, he would not be able to give any answer, although he ought to know these as a preparation for uh, the life of the world to come. Uh, that preparation depends on them. On the other hand, if you ask him about li'an, vihar, sabaq or rami, uh, he will be able to give out a detailed description. Li'an is the imprecation of a husband and wife. Vihar is a, a kind of a, a bogus uh, type of divorce from uh, the time of Jahili. Anyway, these are all liter uh, these are all like legal. Uh, legal issues. He said he will be able to give out a detailed description of each, although one seldom comes across these issues. And if anyone does need a juridic opinion or juristic opinion on these matters, he can easily obtain it in every town. These scholars thus devote their entire time and energy in learning and teaching the details of similar insignificant issues, but remain oblivious of the knowledge essential for a religious teacher. Now, I, I'd like to just uh, add here, like, you know, they're not insignificant in the sense that they're mentioned in the Quran and they're, they're, they're issues of, they're issues that are part of the deen, their learning and teaching is, is definitely, you know, something that, 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 that's an act of piety. But the problem is what, is that everything in its place, if a person knows these issues in great detail, because, you know, becoming a qadi or a judge is, uh, predicated on them but like Ghazali mentions that the person ha barely has a thing to say about uh, you know sabr and shukr and uh, khawf and raja and all these other cardinal virtues uh, that are, are really a uh, far the ain on every person to know about um, then something like Imam Ghazali points out something has gone like really horribly wrong it's gone really horribly wrong may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us um, but those are issues of that era because the thing is if you were a a master of fiqh, then you you could be appointed to the judgeship or you could be an adjunct to a judge and be in line for the judgeship. The judgeship is a very politically powerful position. Uh, uh, the qadi of any land is essentially the second uh, most powerful person in that in those days in that land to the sultan himself. 
and in many ways even more powerful than the Sultan because the Sultan comes into office by the sword and is deposed by the sword whereas the Qadi is a scholar of deen and so people recognize uh, them and take their word uh, a lot more seriously and are a lot less skeptical about it. Uh, and so people, you know, people would study deen in order to become the Qadi and uh, uh, that's, you know, then they would like concentrate on these other things. Uh, not for the sake of Allah, but for the sake of the judgeship. And that's, I think, more what, what uh, uh, Imam Ghazali is kind of getting at, is that those types of scholars, maybe an analog to something like that nowadays, is somebody who is you know, trying to become Imam of a particular masjid or trying to get like a certain number of YouTube followers. So they'll learn you know, just enough ayahs and hadith to like give a good bayan. But you know, if you ask them about some other uh, matter of deen, um, that's not going to make them like super popular on the speaker circuit or whatever. They're 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 completely going to draw a blank uh, or make a fool out of themselves. Um, if the scholars are ever asked about it, their reply is that they are engaged in acquiring religious knowledge, which constitutes a communal obligation enjoined by the Sharia. But they are really keeping their own selves in the dark and deceiving others. For as everybody knows, uh, he who wants to acquit himself of a communal obligation should first discharge the obligations enjoined on him personally. You know, and one of the one of those obligations is that every person is obliged to have their own islah done, the the rectification of their own nafs done. And they should take some time, whether through uh, formal means or through uh, informal means. They should uh, take some time for the dhikr of Allah Taala and to reflect over themselves and to uh, you know ask the people of knowledge to uh, help them. Uh, bring about rectification whether again it's from the formal machinery of the tariqah and from a sheikh or if a person you know has means to that rectification or access to that rectification without going through the formal means um, because of their relationship with somebody who has that rectification inside of them already uh, or through uh, uh, you know uh, you know through some other method everyone is required to do that the problem is what is you got people that uh, you know may even learn about certain particulars in the deen, but they've never uh, sat to examine themselves or to fix themselves um, in terms of their holistic practice of the deen. And uh, they'll go out and, you know, give some really impassioned plea about, you know, some uh, topic with regards to a social issue or with regards to a legal issue or with regards to a creed issue or with regards to a political issue for that matter. And uh, uh, but their own like actual practice of the deen as, as far as them as a person is concerned is completely in shambles. Uh, they are really keeping their own selves in the dark and deceiving others. For as everyone knows, he who wants to acquit himself of a communal obligation should first discharge the obligations enjoined upon him personally. That before you can help anyone else, you have to fix your own deen up first. Uh, also, there are many other communal obligations which claim a preference. As, for example, we have many non-Muslim physicians in a city whose evidence is not uh, acceptable under the Sharia in religious matters requiring uh, medical opinion, but we do not find any scholars uh, 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 turning to the study of medicine. Students overcrowd classrooms of the sciences pertaining to jurisprudence, logic, and dialectics, although there are hundreds of jurisconsults, who, uh, meaning muftis, who are ever willing to let uh, uh, one have their legal opinion. 
Uh, I fail to understand how these scholars can defend their engagement in a communal obligation which is already being performed by numerous ulama while uh, disregarding another obligation which is not being attended by anybody. Is there any reason for it except for the study of medicine cannot help them secure trusteeship of a charitable trust, enforcement of wills, guardianship of orphans, and management of their property, appointment to posts of judges uh, and official jurists, uh, respect and honor in governmental circles or precedence over their compatriots friends and foes which is really ironic <laughs> Ghazali is chewing out the people for, for the ulama for not studying medicine even though there are so many medical issues that require a person of knowledge you know to uh, be able to give fatwa can someone fast or not fast uh, in a certain situation or uh, you know a pregnant woman or a woman who's breastfeeding and like you know th those types of things that require people to know both medicine and, and ilm but because they're not going to get you appointed qadi nobody wants to study it um, whereas nowadays is obviously is the opposite where everybody is trying you know trying to push each other back and force their own way into medical school and uh, the, these other branches of the ulum are are completely neglected uh, because they don't they don't pay money and they don't get you a fat salary um, and you know sometimes the movies they pick on doctors a lot and there's some reason for that I don't think it's completely a, a vain pursuit but uh, at the same time we I, I do know some doctors who literally you know they they use their knowledge um, in order to treat the sick without actually uh, seeking uh, worldly benefit uh, in, in, in the disgusting way that some do. And, uh, uh, and uh, you know, in this corona, uh, whatever, epidemic, mashallah, some of them really are putting themselves in harm's way in order to help others. And some of them have already laid down their lives uh, in order to do so. So we, 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 we congratulate them and we, we honor them. But uh, in general, it is ironic that he mentions this. Why? Because in those days, being a doctor didn't pay anything, so nobody wanted to be one. In another place in the Hiya, he writes, There is not a town in which several matters do not assume the position of joint or communal obligations, but there is none to look after these, uh, nor any scholar who pays any heed to them. Take, for instance, the study of medicine. There are a number of towns in which there is no practicing physician whose evidence is admissible in law. But the scholars uh, still lack all interest in this profession. Similar is the case uh, with the obligation incumbent on all Muslims to enjoin the right and forbid the evil, which is being overlooked by everybody. Ghazali uh, Malana continues, laments over uh, the lack of interest in and apathy of the people toward the tenets of faith and calls attention toward the need of spreading literacy and disseminating knowledge of religion. Um, which is important, right? You're teaching people Aleph Batatha, even to this day, is not going to, uh, you know, make you a ton of money, nor is it going to make you loved by anybody. But in many ways, you know, being Quran teacher is literally the most, like, uh, the most important and the most effective thing you can do to, um, you know, b b b shape a child's life and shape a child's future uh, spiritually for the better. You'll probably, the Quran teacher who teaches Alif Ba Ta Tha and Qul Hu Allahu Ahad and Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen to the kid probably will um, receive more reward with Allah and actually do more to actually bring this person onto the deen than their murshid or their sheikh will. Uh, but uh, because there's no glamour glory in it, nobody wants to do it. Uh, 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 after emphasizing the paramount need for spreading religious knowledge, he continues, For anyone who is solicitous of his religion, uh, the teaching and spreading uh, 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 the knowledge of the faith, which is a joint obligation, is 
such uh, is a such serious occupation that it would not permit him to go into unnecessary juristic details and waste his time in any scholastic hair splitting or similar trivialities. Ghazali uh, explained why the wrangling over disputed issues had come to assume such an importance amongst the pedagogues, meaning the teachers of his time, who in due course had began to devote their time and energy to those fruitless quibblings. Tracing the history of these vain disputations, he writes, the caliphs, the khalifas uh, succeeding the Prophet of Islam وسلم, were scholars and jurists, competent to give juristic opinions in all matters, and they seldom required the help of other companions of the Prophet وسلم, in this task. The learned amongst the companions therefore occupied themselves with studies and uh, oritions leading to salvation in the world to come. If they were ever asked for any legal opinion, they would refer, to the, question, refer the question to another jurist and remain absorbed in the recollection of Allah. Uh, numerous instances of this kind have been preserved by the analysts. Thereafter, undeserving and incompetent persons came to preside over the Islamic commonwealth. They were also incompetent to give legal opinions or settle the disputes of the people. Therefore, they had uh, uh, of necessity to depend on muftis and, uh, admin uh, and uh, muftis in the administration of justice. The scholars amongst the descendants of the companions of the Prophet ﷺ generally followed in the footsteps of the scholars of old. They were aware of the true content of the contents of the faith, were selfless and detached, and hence they avoided the company of rulers and kings. Uh, the Banu Umayyah and Banu Abbas and their uh, uh, caliphs had to look around uh, for them and implore them to accept the office of, uh, of, of muftis and qadis, of judges and, and jurists. The plebeian masses of the time uh, who, witnessed, uh, who witnessed the solicitation of the kings and disdainful indifference of the devout scholars and jurists thought that the study of juristic science was the easiest way to acquire riches and honors as well as to gain access into the entourage of nobility. These elements, therefore, themselves applied uh, for the governmental offices and maneuvered to win the favor of rulers and administrators in hope of achieving worldly success. Some of them gained their end while others licked the dust, but even those who did succeed had to humble themselves by applying for these offices. They had come down from the exalted place of scholars to that of plebeians. Another result of it was that the scholars who were earlier implored to accept these offices began to themselves offer themselves as candidates. Earlier they were honored for their selfless detachment from the ruling circles, but now they lost their respect by becoming the henchmen of kings and rulers. A few scholars, however, were an exception to this in every age. Uh, um, Subhanallah. The analogical deductions drawn up on legal or theoretical questions in accordance with the principles of jurisprudence and the teaching of the Sharia were needed primarily to meet the requirements of administration and, uh, and justice during the earlier times. In due course, however, the nobles and administrators too cultivated uh, an interest in these matters and they began to encourage the scholars to discuss the issues in their presence. In view of the interest taken by the nobility in these discussions, people began to devote themselves to the study of dialectics. Numerous treaties became uh, became uh, numerous treatises uh, came to be written on the science of disputation. Rules were involved for these debates, and gradually the wranglings uh, were turned into an art of logical syllogism. These persons tried to justify their endeavors on the ground that their aim was to protect the scripture and the sunnah and to oppose innovation and deviation. Those who were earlier engaged in giving legal opinion had also made a similar claim that they intended to serve the faith 
and uh, the people by helping them settle their disputes. A few rulers and administrators of the later times undoubtedly looked upon the dialectics and disputations with disfavor, for they thought that these polemics gave rise to academic orthodoxy in quarrelsome disputes, not often even to violent uh, strife and bloodshed, which is unfortunately true. Uh, there are people who used to literally fight uh, with one another because of madhab and these types of things, although that's not something that we see from the, the founders of the madhahib, uh, who are that earlier uh, generation of scholars that Ghazali is mentioning. Uh, but uh, the only time that the people of the madhabs fought with one another to the point of bloodshed or violence was when there is some dunya or a judgeship or a, an appointment or money involved. On the other hand, there were also nobles and chiefs desirous of finding out which of the two schools of Islamic jurisprudence, Hanafi or Shafi'i, was closer to the right path. These elements encouraged discussions and debates on juristic issues. The scholars belonging to their entourage accordingly put aside all the dialectic quibblings on other issues and took up controversies between these two juridic schools, um, overlooking the differences of opinion between them and other jurists like Malik bin Anas, Sufyan al-Thawri, Ahmad bin Hanbal, and the like, simply because their masters were not interested in their differences, meaning the kings and rulers didn't care, so nobody uh, paid attention to those opinions, even though um, they were also uh, something that needed to be understood in order to understand the law. Laying a claim to the refinement and amplification of the corpus juris of Islamic law and to formulation of the principles of analogical deduction, these scholars compiled innumerable dissertations on the subject, cultivated logical syllogism, and developed it into the, uh, 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 the science of ratiocantation. Uh, 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 a ratio of one, and I don't even know what that word means. Mashallah, the, whoever translated this uh, book, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, reward him. Uh, um, but uh, I, I believe what he means is just a, a rational like argumentation. They are still preoccupied with this vocation, and only God knows to what extent they would go. Thus, the reason for undue interest taken by the scholars in these controversies and continuous reasonings is what we have stated above. If the nobility or the powers that be were to take interest in the juristic opinions of the schools other than those of Abu Hanifa and Shafi'i, these people would immediately start quibbling over questions relating to those schools and they would still claim that their aim is simply to acquire knowledge and to seek the pleasure of God. Mulana continues, After tracing the origin of contentious debates, Al-Ghazali sets forth in some detail the ill effects uh, springing from these uh, uh, from these wranglings. He also describes his own experiences uh, uh, since he had uh, himself earlier taken a keen interest in such polemics. The vocabulary employed to denote the new sciences then being cultivated was also creating a misunderstanding. Words or phrases occurring in the Quran, the hadith of the Prophet wasallam, or the sayings or works of his companions were being widely used for the new sciences uh, being evolved in those times. To give a few uh, examples, the word fiqh was being commonly used for the intricate and hypothetical details of legal questions as well as for the differences in legal opinions in regard to such issues. 
Ilm was a common term employed uh, to describe all sorts of learning, religious or secular. Scholasticism or logical syllogism was known as Tawheed. Uh, Tadkir, recollection uh, of devotion to Allah, was the name assigned for all sorts of lectures replete with fantastic tales, while Hikmah uh, denoted occult and uncommon practices, meaning all of these these. Uh, these uh, spurious definitions are not what the actual uh, meaning of these words were when used in the Quran or in the uh, in the Sunnah of the Prophet With their indiscriminate use, the peculiar sense conveyed by these terms in the context of the Quranic text and the Sunnah had come to be associated with these new sciences as well. Thus, the Quranic verse, uh, uh, so that they may understand religion and the tradition that God grants understanding of religion to those who intend to be virtuous were applied to unforeseeable legal quibblings. The divine tidings uh, to those quote-unquote granted wisdom uh, have been indeed uh, uh, granted a great favor. Man uti al-hikmah faqad uti khairan kathira was appropriated uh, to philosophy and scholasticism uh, uh, of the 5th century. And the verse of the Quran, Fadkuruni, uh, 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 says, Remember Allah, uh, 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 for you may be one of the uh, devoted, was employed. Uh, uh, I'm sorry for a different, this is a different ayah. The, the, the verse of the Quran, Remember Allah, for you may be uh, one of the devoted. Uh, 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 anyway, I don't know, to be honest with you, the quote is not even here to look up the ayah, but. Uh, he says, the verse of the Quran, remember Allah, for you may be one of the devoted, was employed for the vile sermons of the ignorant and misguided preachers. Al-Ghazali explained how these words were being used out of their context to mean something which these terms were never intended to convey. He traced the original meanings of these words and phrases which had not been uh, not only been lost owing to their misuse, but which also differed widely from the sense conveyed uh, during his times. Um, the analysis made by Ghazali was as much instructive as it was helpful in removing the misconceived uh, notions created by the careless and indiscriminate use of religious terminology which was being employed as a vehicle for the furtherance uh, of new sciences. So, I mean, this this does happen. This does happen in the... Uh, in the in the history of Islam, so like another, I guess like later instance of something like this happening is like the study of hadith is oftentimes ignored in places it was not really paid much attention to in the Indian subcontinent or really in the Ottoman lands um, uh, while the state was in power. Why? Because the most learned of people would oftentimes go into studying fiqh because the um, the position of the qadi was so high. Whereas being a muhaddith uh, is not going to get you like a government position. Um, and so even in the Ottoman lands, uh, my understanding is that the Sheikh al-Hadith uh, position in the madrasa, uh, there wasn't so much wrangling for it. Uh, why? Because the Sheikh al-Hadith himself will neither ever become a judge nor will uh, his students ever become judges. And so there was not as much intense uh, competition for such positions. They say that Shah uh, Abdul Haq al-Muhaddith al-Dihlawi rahimahullah ta'ala learned uh, hadith in a similar way to Shah Waliullah. But the reason that the sanad of hadith in the subcontinent doesn't go through him is because uh, his son was engaged as the qadi and was unable to serve his father's ulum. Uh, whereas uh, Shah Waliullah rahimahullah ta'ala um, uh, during his son's life, Shah Abdul Aziz, 
uh, the government collapses and the British are not going to hire Qudat uh, and judges in the same way that uh, the Mughals were before them. Uh, and so we see that uh, you know the, the, the form changes uh, depending on the time and the place you're in. But the sickness uh, that lies inside the heart, which is learning that knowledge that should be learned for the sake of Allah Ta'ala, for other than the sake of Allah Ta'ala, was what uh, Ghazali Rahimullah Ta'ala was diagnosing. And uh, uh, he, he, he just, he hits the nail on the head. And it's really, it's really hard hitting. It's hard. It's hard because, you know, you study, you study, you study, you study. And if you study just a little bit, then you can go back to your day job. Uh, and uh, balance things out. But if you're studying and this is what you do for your whole life, you know, studying and teaching, um, then, then you know, you don't have anything to fall back on in terms of your dunya. And that's when the temptation strikes. And at that time, if a person, uh, you know, makes the, the choice to uh, veer towards self-preservation, when they go down and they debase the ulum uh, for the sake of the dunya for themselves, they do, they do so for the entire for the entire uh, ummah, uh, and so the people of knowledge should be very careful with regards to that. Just, you know, it's not worth it's not worth selling your deen uh, for uh, you know for just a little bit of uh, for just a little bit of of, of dunya because you will uh, do so uh, and you will cause irreparable harm to many others, including the the people of uh, of authority as well as the lay people and the masses. Allah Taala protect all of us. Um, and for this reason, I think a lot of people have this idea that the ulama are very dogmatic and belligerent. Um, and it's, it's not that. Abu Hanifa rahimullah ta'ala refused to take the judgeship. And so does Imam Ahmad bin Hanbal uh, when it was offered to them. It's not because they're contrarian people, but because they wanted to strive to extricate themselves from being put in a position where they would be put in pressure to make a, a legal ruling. Uh, which is contrary to the shara of Allah and His Rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam, in such a way that the posterity would then take it to uh, be what the actual deen was, because of the massive amount of trust that the people had in them. And uh, this is one of the reasons that Imam Hanifa, uh, you know, spent his life uh, copiously uh, recording his madhab. Rather than uh, rather than enforcing it, because he knew people would come later that uh, you know could follow, and if they were of second-rate moral uh, quality, the people could always refer back to Abu Hanifa and his companions, uh, their era and their writing and their reasoning, in order to call out uh, the the wrong rulings that the later people would give. But if that first generation didn't keep it real, then the rest of the ummah would have been in the dark. Allah Ta'ala protect us. Uh, Allah Ta'ala protect us from ever selling this uh, knowledge for a cheap price uh, and ever seeking it for a cheap price. And, uh, you know, always this, this era is an era of fake news, mashallah. And uh, sometimes the people who are uh, peddling the fake news are the biggest ones that cry about fake news. So uh, the, we remember the prophetic du'a, Allahumma arin al-haqqa haqqa warzuqni tiba'ahu wa arin al-baqila baqil warzuqni jtinaabahu. Oh Allah, show me the haqq as the haqq and uh, provide me the ability to follow it and show me the falsehood as the falsehood and pr- provide me the ability to stay, stay the heck away from it. Uh, Allah Ta'ala give all of us uh, so much tawfiq and Allah Ta'ala give us the basira inside to know which part of uh, the ulum uh, we can reach him best through, whether it be uh, the, the knowledge of aqidah or whether it be the knowledge of tasawwuf or whether it be the knowledge of fiqh or some particular, um, you know, some particular part thereof 
tafsir of the Quran and hadith, whatever it is that we need that we can do the best with, uh, Ya Allah, give it to us and raise amongst us a group of tahir and pure uh, people who can be the receptacles of this knowledge uh, in an encyclopedic sense and uh, that it can be divided up amongst them as well so that we can also know who to trust with our deen and uh, how to benefit from them and protect us from those uh, jackals and hyenas of this age who will just blame everybody who preserves uh, any uh, branch of knowledge for the the chaos and, and difficulty that the ummah is in well not lifting much of a finger to serve any much of anything themselves sallallahu ta'ala ala rasulihi sayyidina muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh tomorrow we we talk about uh, uh, ghazali's critique of the rulers of his age um, so inshallah do join us assalamu